Welcome to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Winston Lobel here with Dana Torrey. And Dan, we are back for the fall 2023 season. We've had about two and a half month hiatus since the NHIAA spring season came to an end. Last we spoke, we were recapping Concord Softball's championship, Co Brown Softball Championship, Hopkinton Boys Lacrosse winning a Division Three uh, championship. There are a lot of champions to go around in the spring, and now we are entering the second full week of the fall season. We've got lots of new looks on a lot of teams with lots of talented players having graduated from their schools. Uh, we got football, boys and girls, soccer, field hockey, volleyball, golf, and cross country. So, Dan, let's start with football. Um, you and I were both in Londonderry last Friday night for Concord's season opener against the Lancers. Did not go very well for the Tide, losing 41 to 14. Um, I, I at least kind of thought going into this season that it might take Concord a little bit of time to find its footing. Londonderry is a very talented team, so certainly not the easiest opponent to open the season with. But losing your starting quarterback, they lost a bunch of linemen and a couple receivers. Those are not easy positions to replace, and especially for a program that has not been consistently playoff bound year after year in recent times. Uh, it, it can take a little while for the next group of guys to get acclimated and, and get build confidence and, and all that stuff. Um, so I think that coupled with just Londonderry's talent just did not add up to a great day. I'm curious your thoughts, because for me, the, the biggest thing that stood out was just the offensive line protection. It seemed like uh, Concord's new quarterback, Colby Nyhan, was just running for his life pretty much the entire game now. Part of that is Concord's offense. They run a lot of bootlegs, so the quarterback's already rolling out of the pocket in one direction or another. But there was just no time for him to really scan the field. And then when they tried to run the ball with Ellie Bahuma, who's their best player, there wasn't much room for him to go. So I think the line was the big thing that stood out to me from Friday's loss. Yeah, and London there just has so much more depth. <clears throat> like if when I when I saw their preview. Um, NH sports page that did an in-depth preview on, on all of the divisions. And I was looking through that to try to get a sense of who, who to keep an eye on for Londonderry. They have like five running backs that they use regularly. They had four, they used five quarterbacks. They have five quarterbacks on the roster. All of them took a couple snaps, four of them completed passes. Um, it's just really hard telling what Londonderry is going to do. I tweeted this at the time. Good luck trying to find a, a pattern in that in that offense. They would have a quarterback and a receiver connection that they'd use for one series, and then they'd sit. I mean, really, it was very smart on their part because it's going to be hard to – plan for them moving forward but and Concord just doesn't have that that depth you know that Ellie Bahuma is going to be getting the ball most of the time um you know that Colby Nyhan is going to roll out um they just didn't have as many as many options and Londonderry they're the 2021 champs they were uh, the runner-up team last year they lost by one point uh on a field goal in, in the closing seconds, Londonderry very close to being back-to-back -back champions there. They're uh, regarded by many as the, the 
the top program in the state for football right now. So it's really hard to start um, to start with them. But yeah, my analysis is the same. They just didn't have much on the line. And kind of looking at who they lost last year, Concord had a lot of wrestlers who were also on the offensive line last year. They lost some big kids um, last year from, from that line. So they were definitely not as deep and, and less experienced and, and a little bit undersized relative to the Lancer um, offensive lines and, and defensive lines. Uh, but really to have a program like Londonary in the state of New Hampshire that has that much depth where they have so many different receivers, so many different runners and have five quarterbacks that all did things is pretty remarkable. Something that Jim Corkum, Concord's head coach, said to me afterwards on Friday was that in the th- now this is his third season as the head coach, Londonderry on Friday was the most physical team he's seen his guys have to go up against. So um, obviously that that matters and that should be considered. Um, but there, the, I think the biggest concern, if I was in Corkum's position, is one of the messages coming into the season was, you know, last year they went five and four. The five wins were against teams below them in the standings. The four losses were against teams above them. We need to beat at least one of those teams above us. And that's still more than possible. But in those four losses last year, Concord never lost a game by more than 10 points. I think their their biggest loss was to Londonderry. It was, I think, a 31-21 game or something along those lines to open last season. So losing by 27 is a big difference in losing by 10. And, and Coach Corkum had said afterwards that he was still proud of how his guys fought. They did score a touchdown late when they could have just mailed it in. Um, but I think that's the concern is regardless of what Londonderry is, if you, that is that competition level, you need to be able to beat if you want to pick up that big time win. And at least on Friday, uh, Concord did not really show that now, obviously a very long way to go in the season. Um, but those are just kind of my initial thoughts, having watched them play and and maybe not play as well as they hoped. But I think the biggest bright spot from Friday had to be Jackson Borkish, Concord's, uh, I guess you'd call him a running back. He's also in kick return and probably playing a little receiver. He had a 70-yard touchdown run in the first quarter, uh, and uh, Coach was uh, Corkum was talking about just how he's kind of waited in the wings for his chances. He's played a little special teams, used on defense last year. Now a senior, finally his chance to get consistent reps and – he certainly took advantage of that on Friday. He was Concord's leading rusher. Ellie Bahuma was held to just 53 yards on 20 carries. He did have one touchdown, but um, a little over two yards a carry is not exactly what you're looking for from your feature back. Um, Dan, any other thoughts on Concord football before we move on? Uh, I mean, they're they're at... Uh... I think Rutland, Vermont this Friday night. So I, I am curious what that sort of does to the momentum and the mindset of the team. I think last year they they lost to Londonderry in the opener, but they they had Londonderry on the ropes for a little bit. They forced a turnover early. They they scored some really touchdowns and um I believe they had a a lead for a little bit and were in the game until Londonderry kind of pulled away in the final quarter. Um, 
And then they use that to kind of go in strong for their next couple of games and everything's sort of built off of that. And now they're going into a, a game uh, against the Vermont team that will not count in the standings, I don't think. I've heard conflicting reports on that um, last year. I don't think they ultimately counted um, in the in the standings. But, but so they've got a couple weeks before they, they play another, you know, NHIAA game again. So uh, I'm curious, you know, do they kind of shake this off or, you know, what are the lessons to be learned from this and are they remembered, I think, is kind of what I'm curious about as they uh, as the tide move forward. But there's 13 teams that make the playoffs in a 21-team division. So I think in last year, a number 10 seed won the championship. Bedford was seeded 10th. They would not even have been in the playoffs in any year prior um, to last year. So I, you know, I think the first goal is to is to get there um uh which is possible with you know a, with four or five wins but definitely they they want to take that next step so it's still early a lot of a lot of football to play certainly lots of football left and there was lots of football that was played this past weekend um not a banner two days for our area football teams but the far and away standout came from John Stark. The Generals trailed Milford 27 to 6 in the third quarter, rallied to win 30 to 27. Now this was a team that started last year slow after a rough previous few years, started last year slow, started to come on a little bit later, barely missed out on a playoff spot. And Dan Saturday's win has to give them a lot of momentum heading into their their next game and the rest of the season. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, this is probably the biggest win. I would say this is the biggest win that the program's had in, in a long time. They were, they were four and five last year. They were one and eight in 2021. They were winless in 2020. Um, and then not, and then kind of like what we said with Concord last year, John Stark beat, you know, the teams they should beat and then lost, you know, to the powerhouse teams. But I think this is huge for the for their uh, playoff implications. Um, I know it's only week one, but if you look at the uh, Division Two Western Conference, which John Stark is in, um, you know they have defending champions Sauhegan. I'm uh, sorry, defending champions Pelham um, that won forty nine to nothing, I think. And then there's defending runner up Sauhegan that beat Hollis. Uh, that beat Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton 53 to nothing. Um, and then you have Hanover that that was a playoff team last year and they beat Hollis Brookline 45 to nothing. And those are the three teams kind of at the very, very top of that that side of division two. And then um, you know, you've got the teams that, you know, probably just aren't there yet, you know. Hillsborough during Hopkinton with a big loss early uh, a couple you know the, the losing teams that I just mentioned so I think Milford and John Stark are kind of in the middle of that in the middle of that that division so I think for Stark to win that game is huge and for, for their playoff implications uh, even though it's I know it's only week one um, but I think that the most important thing that uh, coach Kershaw um said to me over the phone, Ray Kershaw, uh, when, when I called him on, on Saturday evening was that this is where he's starting to see them put together all of the lessons that they've learned over the last three years. I mean, Kershaw really built the team from 
basically from scratch. I don't think there were a lot of holdovers from when the team went winless in 2020 that were still on the team in 2021. Most of the players um, that he started in those first two years were sophomores. Well, now those sophomores are juniors and seniors and, and he's seeing the maturity and he's seeing the growth and uh, you know what they did going into halftime and he talked a lot about kind of being able to settle down at halftime and focus on what they needed to do. They didn't necessarily have the maturity or the ability to do that on the field um, as, as freshmen, as sophomores, but they can do that now. Um, and he, uh, what my favorite part of the interview is he said at halftime, the offensive line came up to him and said, like, we're not going to lose this game. Like we're, we're not going to lose this game. So to have them say that and then go out and execute as a unit, um, and let their their stable of backs, who are basically all there from last year, um, is is really good. They had a great, and again, a great running game, um, especially in the second half. I think uh, Joey Dykstra, um, quarterback and linebacker, had an excellent game. He threw. I I don't. I was not at the game. I didn't have complete stats, but he threw a touchdown pass, which I don't think I've seen John Stark do in any time. Uh, I've I've covered them so he he threw the ball a little bit um, and then they were able to move the ball when they were trailing um, which isn't you can't always move that quickly and sort of a, a grounded pound and and they I remember them last year doing a lot of direct snaps and things like that to the to the running backs and and fullbacks so uh, to see them be able to throw a little bit um, I think is a is a really good sign um, but yeah, definitely a huge win for the Stark program. Probably the biggest win that they've had in in some time. Um, but I'm I'm really excited for them. And that's really one of the only teams I think. And you you and I were talking about this a little bit off before we started recording. That the theme we saw with a lot of our previews was kind of transitioning. You know, end of an era. Uh, not so much rebuilding necessarily, but Longtime coaches retiring or just banner classes moving on. Uh, John Stark football is one of the few teams that we looked at the roster and saw, wow, this is mo most of their team and, and you know, impact players coming back. Um, so I'm really happy that, uh, to see that they were able to start the season um, with such a big win. And they have a lot of uh, double local games coming up um, this season. So uh, hopefully we'll get to some of those and that should be really fun. Um, Elsewhere in Division Two, on the uh, western side uh, of Division Two, uh, mentioned Sauhegan uh, with a fifty-three nothing win over HDH. Um, I think just a little bit of a down couple of years for Hillsborough during Hopkinton, just as far as numbers. Um, they, I think they have thirty something on their roster, which is not which is not huge for a lot of Division Two programs um on the eastern side uh d2 is wide open this year um Bo lost to sanborn uh 28 14 sanborn not the bottom but kind of the bottom of division two um for the last couple of years um they threw the ball for i think it was 231 yards and and three touchdowns um and Bo that graduated 15 seniors nine of them were all state players um so definitely a, a not really kind of a rebuild um at least at a lot of the the skill positions for for Bo um Guilford Belmont the number one 
team in the D2 uh, East last year. They lost to Kennett 14 to 7 on a, I guess you could call it a goal line stand in the last minute or so um, of that game. Uh, MV losing to St. Thomas 20 to nothing. Um, and then the game I was at, uh, Plymouth with a 42 to 7 win over uh, Pembroke. Pembroke actually, I think. The score is a bit deceiving. I think Pembroke is a is a good team. Um, they just don't have they have thirty kids. They had freshmen starting on their line. Like there's you know you're only going to be able to do so much. Very similar to Concord. Um, they have very good skill players, but they just don't have the experience and the depth on the line. I think their um, coach is saying after the game their their tight end got hurt early in the game and had to sit out and that was the only tight ends they had on the roster. So they're moving people around and trying to sort things out there. Um, so they just don't have a lot of depth, even though they have very good uh, skilled um, players. They just need, you know, if they had a couple linemen, you know, a couple bigger linemen, they only have one senior on the line. Everyone else is an underclassman. So, um, you know, things like that make, make a huge difference. Um, but yeah, I think D2 is wide open this year, kind of given all the shakeups that we saw in week one, which is exciting. Uh, you know, there's, there's anyone could, anyone could win any week and, and could be pretty interesting um, at the end of the season. And then in division three, our only area team, Kearsarge lost to Conval 25 to six and uh, a battle of two Cougar teams. Uh, and then D4 opens this weekend. Um, so I was super excited to have football, Eric. Uh, it was good to go to a couple of games and, and you know, see the stats was was really fun. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. Last year was definitely an up year for football. There are a lot more wins than we're used to seeing. We had a lot more playoff teams than we're used to seeing. Um, not so much this first weekend, but, you know, but it's still early. And I think there's been enough you know, changes across the state that, you know, it, it'll be a lot. I, I think this year is going to be more wide open maybe than we've seen in past years with New Hampshire high school football. Which, as you said, that uncertainty brings some excitement and more reasons for people to uh, follow along to see what is going on. As you said, not not a banner weekend for area teams besides John Stark, but lots of football left to be played. Elsewhere in the fall sports world, um, I was at a couple of girls' soccer matchups last week. We can start with uh, Concord played Pinkerton to a 0-0 draw in overtime. That's 100 minutes of soccer without a goal. And I'm this is not official by any means, but by my count, there may have been one legitimate scoring chance across both teams for the entire game. And what I mean by legitimate scoring chance is like you watched the goalie and said, Oh, that was a, that was a good save. Um, there weren't that many saves made to begin with. And there certainly weren't many difficult saves made. Um, Concord generally controlled possession, but just could not finish. And they had multiple corners. They had, I think, four corners or, or something along those lines in, in the final part of the second half and then in overtime and just could not convert. I was very impressed with the defense though, which is something that head coach Andrew Matarazzo also said that he is very happy with Concord currently. Oh, one and one so far this year. Uh, the tide have not yet scored a goal. 
Um, but if they can figure that out, this could be a playoff team because if the defense plays like it did against a Pinkerton team that looks to be pretty solid, uh, the, the, this looks like a team that could potentially um, be a team to watch come playoff time. Yeah, most of uh, the Tides um, back line, if not their entire back line from last year is returning. Um, so having the, that four anchor the defense, um, that unit of four is is key, um, especially when they're replacing. I think it was um, you said it was their last year's leading score, Avery Fitcher, who is uh, who graduated. So I almost said retired. <laughs> no, that's not it. High school sports, Dan. High school sports. Um, who is uh, who is graduated? So. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, having having all those defensive players back is is going to benefit them. Speaking of defense, um, the other game, girls soccer game I was at last week was between two old friends, Bo and Pembroke. They, of course, played in the Division II semifinals last year. Pembroke was down one nothing, scored two goals in the final five minutes to win and advance the championship game where it ultimately lost. That, of course, was a rematch of the previous year's championship game, which was full of controversy. Um, Tuesday's game last week was not as controversial, but it was still very exciting. Pembroke jumped out to an early one nothing lead about two minutes into the game. Bo tied it up in the second half early. And then with under 15 seconds left, uh, the Falcons scored to take a 2-1 lead, ultimately win the game. Uh, the Falcons are now off to a 2-0-0 start. They also beat Cole Brown last Friday. Um, but both of these teams look to be competitors as you know the season continues. Pembroke hasn't gotten off to the best start this year. They did bounce back from the bow loss to beat Plymouth the next day, but then lost to Merrimack Valley 2-1 on Saturday. Uh, they play Keene on Tuesday and then Plymouth on Thursday. Um, while Bo will play at Laconia Wednesday and at Oyster River on Friday. I think my biggest takeaway from the Bo Pembroke game, though, Dan, is two things, one for each team. On Pembroke's side, Layla Al-Shawafi, Pembroke's goalie, is really good. She's a sophomore. She started last year. I think people were very impressed with her last year. She played really well in that playoff game that I just mentioned um, she made a lot of saves and the game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, if not for her goaltending. So, or goalkeeping, I guess, as you would say in soccer. Um, but she she's really good. And if you have a goalie of that caliber, that alone is going to be enough to win you some games throughout the season. The real question is, can Pembroke put together enough offense? Because, the, with the exception of the one goal, which the Spartans only really scored because of a mistake by Bo's, go by Bo's goalie, uh, the offense didn't really generate many opportunities besides that. So continuing to develop that is going to be key, something that uh, Jess Kaufman-DeRochers, the Pembroke head coach, had said to me before the season was this is the emphasis is on gradual progress. You're not going to be a finished product right away. And quite frankly, you don't want to be a finished product right away because then what do you have to, you know, to focus on the rest of the season? So it's going to take some time. Uh, but I think there's pretty good chance that this is still a team that's competing for decent playoff seating at the end of the year. 
On the other side with Bo, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, and, and you kind of alluded to this at the top of the podcast when you mentioned just how many um, area athletes went to Division One programs and, and, and have since graduated, Bo losing Lindsay and Bell LaPearl is very big because they were generally the two fastest players on the field at most times. And you could just kick it down the field. They would outrun a defender and they would have a decent chance of scoring a goal. Bo doesn't have that anymore. So uh, head coach Jay vote said, it's going to be a little bit more scoring by committee this year. They're going to need to get a lot more people involved, but, but they're not going to be able to create that separation necessarily that the LaPearls were able to bring. So, I wouldn't be surprised Bo's won each of his first two games two to one would not surprise me if a lot more games this year look like that for them, because they're probably going to, they look pretty solid defensively, not sure where the offense is going to come from. Um, but I suspect the defense will be strong enough for, for them to pull out some wins. Yeah. And that, uh, that game they won against Co Brown was uh, on, a, on a header um, Lexi and Sano, the game winner in double overtime double overtime that that win was um you know last year we talked about uh, on the podcast a lot how you know in division two girls soccer it was our area teams that um that were were taking up a lot of playoff spots and uh you know so far it's again it's still early but john stark three and oh uh Bo is two and oh merrimack valley is two and oh um pembroke one and two, but again, the teams that they've lost to, uh, Merrimack Valley and Bow, uh, are both undefeated. So I think that we are definitely seeing that trend of area teams um, going to be at, at the top or near the top of the Division Two girls soccer standings, I think. And those, you know, and, and the thing about these area teams is they, most of them play each other twice. Um, Bo and Pembroke uh, face each other twice. I believe um, those teams also face Merrimack Valley twice. Um, I believe they face John Stark twice. So just because of, you know, our area and and, and the scheduling, it, these teams are going to see a lot of each other and they know each other well. Um, so I think those are always going to be pretty um, intriguing matchups um but yeah i mean it's <laughs> bow and pembroke when they play each other is never short on on excitement and drama so um and you think eventually they wouldn't see each other in the playoffs but i think it's three years in a row they've they've one has eliminated the other uh so it's look we'll see what happens we'll see what happens this year that we will. You also mentioned MV and John Stark. Those two teams play each other on Friday at M at MV. So that should be an interesting game at four o'clock. Both teams as off to unbeaten starts. On the boys soccer side of things, Concord is off to a one and two start. Lost to Pinkerton three to one Thursday. The only win was last Tuesday six nothing against Bishop Girton. Their, their next game as of right now is scheduled for Friday against Keene. Concord was supposed to play on Tuesday, but several games got rescheduled because of the extreme heat in the area. Not used to seeing 90 plus degrees with pretty extreme humidity first week of September, but that's where we are right now. And uh, so Concord's going to have to make up a game from today. Also wanted to mention Bo in Division Two. They're off to a 3-0-0 start. Uh, under new head coach Josh Smith, 
Falcons have outscored opponents 11-0 across the three wins so far this year. And the Falcons' next game is at home on Friday against Laconia. Um, In the field hockey world, I was at Concord's season opener last Monday. The Tide lost 2-1 to in overtime against Wyndham, but did bounce back to beat Manchester Memorial 6-2 on Saturday. Tide play on Wednesday against Salem. I think the big, uh, the big intriguing story with this team is its goalie, uh, Deco Hussein, who's a freshman, has never played goalie before. She put the pads on for the first time two weeks prior to Concord's first game when they started their preseason. The Concord did not have a goalie. It graduated their goalie last year. They've been trying to recruit people. Nobody signed up and then they finally convinced uh deco to put the pads on and uh so we'll see how that team progresses conquered a team that made the playoffs last year but did uh graduate quite a few players um also in field hockey bow off to a two and one start under new head coach sarah vaughn and the defending division two champions john stark beat hollis brookline in their season opener last week for nothing and they play at bow on friday in volleyball um concord started its new era under new head coach maria wimpy who graduated from concord high school in 2018 with a 3-2 win over bishop girton on friday to start their season so um concord volleyball off to a good start as well and dan why don't you wrap us up by catching us up on golf and cross country uh, absolutely. I do want to highlight for field hockey. Um, Bishop Brady is three and zero. Bishop Brady, a huge two to one victory over Guilford uh, in a rematch of last year's uh, uh, championship that Guilford won. Uh, the number one team. Um, you know, this early on, especially coaches are fairly tight lipped. You know, they're not gonna you know get too excited or or say too much. Um, about things this early on, um, but Kelly Owen was excited that um, that Bishop Brady beat beat Guilford. You know, like it's still early. They're still, you know, they want to develop, you know, develop as a team and and really focus on on that aspect of it. Um, but beating Guilford this early on definitely uh, was something uh, to celebrate. So a uh, big big win for Bishop Brady to start the season and and bodes well for the future of uh, the Giants in 2023. Um, In golf, we have uh, a lot of uh, teams sort of near the top of divisions right now. Uh, Concord is 5-0 in Division 1 so far. Bo is 8-1 in Division 2 amongst the many uh, Division 1 athletes and sort of banner senior class that we had last year across many schools and many sports. Uh, There were also a handful uh, who are not doing their senior year at the school and they're going to prep school. Um, Last year's division two individual state champion Hunter Duncan from Bo uh, is one of them. So he is not on the team this year, uh, but Bo still eight and one uh, in division two, they, uh, I believe, are on top of the standings right now in that division. Merrimack Valley also is seven and two. Merrimack Valley has not had a varsity golf team since 2016, and they have not won a varsity golf match since 
2014. Uh, so it's nice to have, um, you know, it's good for that program to sort of get back on the map and and win uh, Andrew Serpernant, uh, someone who competed at the State Am this summer and someone who uh, is in the hunt for that Division II individual title. Um, Bishop Brady uh, is six and three in Division Three. Um, freshman Maddie, I think it's Savari is how you say her last name, um, has been the medalist in two of the three matches that the Giants have had so far. Um, also, they have three of their top four golfers are freshmen. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on um, coming Bishop Brady's way. And then Hopkinton in Division Four um, is is near the top with a four and two record, although it's still early um, and most teams haven't played more than three matches at this point. Um, and not a whole lot to speak of in cross country. There have only been a couple of meets, not not um, any too many big ones. The most noteworthy one is the Guilford Early Bird Invitational um, that had 13 teams, uh, including most of our Division Three programs, Hopkinton Boys and Girls sweeping that 13-team invite. Um, Keir Sarge's Molly Ellison winning the girls race there. And then uh, just dropped uh, last night uh, online and in print today, um, story that I did on uh, the, the cross country previews uh, led off by Co Brown. After 24 years and 23 years respectively, Brent Kasich and, and Tim Cox are stepping aside and uh, handing over their program to some of their uh, former student athletes, uh, alumni who have come back to take over the team. Uh, Co Brown, of course, uh, with a huge uh, dynasty in the the track and cross country world, um, and they have some alumni taking over that program. So uh, looking uh, strong again, if not, you know. As dominant, they don't have three Division One athletes on their team like they did last year, um, but still very strong. Um, so that's a, a cool story that you should check out. That's uh, online now. So those are kind of the major storylines and headlines that we've seen through two and a half weeks, I guess. Um, I don't know, Eric, I'm excited to have, uh, this is my favorite time of year as far as sports. Like, this is just really, you know, we've got all the NHIAA stuff, you've got college sports starting up, you've got, you know, NFL kicking off, you've got playoffs for MLB coming up, Premier League soccer, for those of you who are, are so inclined for that. I've been watching uh, some English soccer on Saturdays, which has been really fun. Yeah. All kinds of good stuff. Yeah. And if you couldn't tell from this podcast, there's lots going on in the immediate area as we've touched on. So uh, lots of reasons to keep paying attention to monitor sports. We will be back on a weekly basis with this podcast and obviously any games that Dan and I are at, which we seem to be at at least three to five to six every week at this point, um, we will have you covered to the best of our abilities. So for Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Rinson-Lobel. Thanks for joining us on the Monitor Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week. <laughs>